Welcome back to a new Triathlon Mockery Podcast. Sitting here with my co-host and daddy boy, Joe Skipper from the UK. Um, this is a special episode because we have got a special guest coming up later on. Alex Dowsett about his professional cycling career, um, about what he's going to do next, about um, he might take on a triathlon, maybe not. You'll hear it all in um, this episode. But first of all, we want to hear some stories about changing diapers. Jody, what's going on? All right, mate. Yeah, and uh, changing diapers, mate, or uh, not quite changing them, like, because it was a bloody nightmare trying to change a diaper, like, even on a doll, like, God knows what it would be like on uh, a proper baby, like, screaming and crying and stuff like that. I remember doing it, and uh, there was, on that um, little class that I went to, there was, like, eight couples of us, and, um, you know, we had to do, like, one part of it, and I was just waiting for it, and uh, when they, when the woman said, uh, this is what we're doing, because it was towards the end of the day, I said, Laura, this is what I've been waiting for. <laughs> you know, let's see, let's see if I've got Putting what it, it takes. Practice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, putting it into practice. And it was harder than what I thought. And um, to do it, like, it was a bit of a nightmare, to be honest. I was thinking, bloody hell, like, this is uh, Why is it so hard? What I thought. But I don't know. It was, it w- I thought it was going to be a lot easier. It was just hard to figure out, like, what way round the thing went and stuff like that, you know, like, and to, like, uh, make it like so it was like tightish you know because i guess if it's not tight all the poo and the wee is going to go everywhere and it's going to slip out like uh horrible uh, <laughs> but like how many do you reckon the woman said uh you uh might have to do a day like to start off with it. it was more than what i thought no like uh how many like in real life like when the baby's there like well, how many do you reckon my little brother has day? got a baby girl since the uh, uh since august and I remember that I thought that you wear this diaper for 24 hours that I thought you'll just put the thing on and change it the next day. But apparently it's something like nine or 10 a day or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, nine or 10. I thought yeah. it was going to be one or two, nine or 10. I mean, like, I mean, if they need, if you think like if that's like one every, I don't know, two hours, I guess that they need one and it, and you're terrible at doing it and it takes you like 20 minutes, you're basically almost spending like, you know, half your day changing nappies aren't you you know like crazy I, like i couldn't believe it nine or ten i was like oh my god like and also it's like that almost as expensive at lactate strips so if you need to do nine or ten a day it's getting pretty expensive oh god could you imagine you'd have to if you were someone that was big into lactate testing you'd have to give that up for a few months wouldn't you you know before uh signing back onto them you know because uh yeah like crazy like doing that but yeah, the course was actually pretty good, to be fair. Like, you meet a lot of people on it and stuff like that, and you uh, and you have a chat. And you you like to think that I'm not the most organized of people, yeah. don't you? <laughs> and uh, what some of the tri- te- techniques on there were speaking to each other about how you can be more organized and time save and wow, stuff like that. that's quite helpful for you. So, uh, so you get more sleep. That I remember they gave us this like little timetable thing and it was like different types of baby that there was one called the placid baby, one called the fidgety one. Everyone wants the placid one, like sleeps like through the night and everything. You looked at that and you were like, Oh, yeah. this looks a doddle, you know. It gets like six hours sleep, you know, seven hours sleep. And there was one that's like the crying one. Me and Laura looked at it and we were like, Oh, this <laughs> yeah. looks tough, you know, like he's awake all through the night, crying, unsettled, it said on there. I was thinking, Jesus, like this would be tough, like, you know, so I hope hey, I get yeah, the placid one. You never one. know what you're going to get. <laughs> can, I, can I put an order in for the placid? Can I put the order in for the placid baby now? <laughs> but, um, uh, you're you're going to get better at them diaper changing anything. But are you looking forward to the next course and what's on the menu for the next one then? 
I am, yeah, yeah. Looking forward to it. Next one's on uh, Saturday again, and just uh, another half one. But it is good. Like I would say, um, if anyone is actually um, expecting a baby, it is worthwhile going on because you do meet other people on the course, and it's quite good because then you can like meet up with them once the baby's like there around and stuff, and you can you're all going through it together, and you're on the same boat. Like it was actually pretty good, and it went pretty quick. Like I, I would, uh, I'd recommend you would it. Recommend it. All right. Um. Any highs and lows then this week? Hello, mate. It's getting back to the cold, icy weather. Like, I've been bloody stuck in on Zwift, you know, like, uh, like Ari Clow, you know, like riding on Zwift. Not quite. I haven't got the mental fortitude as him, though, to do like five hours. Did he say he did five hours indoors? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's pretty tough going. I did three and a half hours the other day and I felt like I was losing the will to live. Uh, but I got it, got it done, and uh, yeah, it's looking like it's pretty cold outside mm-hmm. again today. I mean, you're probably in the same, same boat, boat, aren't you? Because uh, I think we get very, very similar, similar weather, don't it's we? It's very cold, and it's very, very mind blowing. Like on the trainer, like. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's a low for me after coming back from Dubai. It's a bit of a shock to the system. Uh, the highs were trained in the sun when I was away. Obviously, I missed you, like, but trained out there. Like really nice. Uh, apart from when the wind's blowing, Tom, because you've got some fond memories of uh, yeah, the Dubai sandstorms, haven't you? And uh, you know they can. That one of them happened. Unfortunately, when we were going for a com attempt, and we got similar weather. You remember when we wanted to go for that com attempt before, and we got onto the uh, the circuit, yeah, yeah. and it was blowing like that. It wasn't as bad as that, but it was pretty bad. And when you turned into the headwind, it was like straight down to like thirty four k's wow. an hour, riding hard on the front, like horrible, absolutely grim, mate. Like. Just, and them roads, because they, they're, they're like endless, like if anyone hasn't seen straight. it, it's like, imagine, yeah, you see a road in the desert, and as far as you can see, it's just a straight line. Imagine that with a, like, a bloody horrific headwind. I mean, when you've got the tailwind on them, it's fantastic, isn't it? You know, But on well, the headwinds, they're just grim, aren't I did grim, a ride they? a week ago with Thomas Decker, and it was along the dike in Almere. It was a 160k ride. Um, it was about four or five degrees. It was pissing rain. We had four or five flats, and the last bit was thirty k's into a headwind, and it was wind force seven. And we're doing three hundred and thirty watt turns, and we're going seventeen k, seventeen to twenty k's an hour. But yeah, it's a good, 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 uh, good thing that you guys are beasts it, well, on the bikes. So you I can had, battle that wind I force seven, isn't it? Insanely depleted, and in my head, I was like. I want to take the train. I want to take the train home. I want to take the train home. Because we still had, after that 30Ks, we still had, and we were actually a bit unlucky because the wind uh, kind of shifted all day, like a bit into a headwind. And then the last wind was like fully into a headwind. Um, but then he had an appointment at like three. But because we had so many flat tires and so much bad luck, after 150K, we did have to get the train. Oh man, I can only imagine if two beasts like you had to get the train, a mere mortal such as myself would have been, been totally screwed. Like there would have been no chance for me. I don't even think I would have made it halfway <laughs> around the ride. I'd have probably ended up getting it after the first punch. I'd have been like, "You guys go out. I'll uh, sort myself out. See you later." It's, um, another low. Another low. Uh, last week, well, last Sunday, uh, basically two days ago, woke up in the morning, had my alarm set quarter to seven. You know, I like early starts. Not. Um, quarter, quarter to, to seven, seven. mate. Because I wanted to go 
Have you got yeah. a kid at there? I didn't realize you'd had a child, mate. Like that, surely you only get up at that time. Like your child. I, I up, had to yeah? go to the pool for a swim set because I'm a dedicated athlete. Of course, I'm a lifestyle athlete, but I'm also dedicated. Uh, yeah. Do you swim a with a club or something? Then uh, have you yeah. signed up to a club? No. Kids adults, or adults? adults. No. Kids. Wow, it's getting yeah. serious. <laughs> that is getting but serious, mate. Like now you're not was, swimming. With I got in the car. I started my car, and um, it had an engine failure. So lit. So you got up. You got ready. You had your breakfast. You got yourself psyched up for a hard swim, and you couldn't I, actually I get I rode, to the and after like a hundred meters, it went into like this uh, this uh, a saving mode. So you can't drive faster than thirty k's an hour. So I, I turned back round, parked the car, and. Didn't do the swim. Couldn't do the swim. How far would you have had to drive then to get 12K. there? 12K. And you were like, I don't want to spend 25 minutes driving. <laughs> so you'd have been going at the same um, speed as the bike. Yeah, I would have been going the same speed. But also I didn't want to like, uh, I had to bring it for service anyway. But uh, I didn't want it to, uh, you don't want to damage the engine. So what did you do then? Just get back and sulk? Did you have a coffee? Um, what did you do? I first had a coffee. Like, I cried a bit. I worked. I worked on a training plan, Joe, which we will get uh, into onto like a bit. Um, worked and then did a run and then a boring, boring bike indoors. Oh, mate. Indoor riding sucks, doesn't it, compared to outdoors? Like when you go outdoors in the sun, like I don't, you can't compare it, can you? You're not going anywhere. I know. And like, you can do the race and spice it up, but there's only so much racing you can do. And people cheat, don't they, on that? I said that before online on some Facebook thing ages ago that some people cheat on it. And I got so much abuse for that. People don't cheat. It's just a different style a different of riding, style. riding on Zwift. <laughs> I'm thinking, guys, it's still, that's what they said. You don't understand Zwift riding. I was thinking, guys, it's all power and weight, you know? But don't get me wrong. If I'm putting myself down to 68 kilos when I'm 78, I'm going to be a fucking machine. I remember I was doing this um, uh, meetup with five friends of mine, and they're just, um, um, they're all lifestyle athletes, you know, got a full-time job, kids, um, and they do a bit of cycling. Um, we were doing this race, um, and I would, we, it was basically something like 40 minutes, and I was doing, I just broke away at the start. I thought I'll just like time, time trial it, just uh, sub threshold. And I remember I was riding something like 350 watts, and they were with a group riding 270, 260, and they were even at some point bridging up again. And I was uh, towards the end, I was thinking, yeah, How can it... this be? And they say, Oh, yes, because we ride in a peloton. I'm thinking, Oh, it's putting out 100 watts more. And like in, in real life, I would be massively riding away. Doesn't make sense, mate, does it? Doesn't make sense. It's, uh, a, very, it's a very strange uh, concept what they've got going um, on there. Reward the effort. For people that are putting in like solo efforts, it doesn't reward it. I remember no. you doing like during the Swift races back then that you were like bridging away, and then just before you finish, you got caught up. They caught me yeah. on the line each time. Like I uh, lost loads of money on that. I would have won shit loads. I would have been laughing. <laughs> yeah. uh, like you know, I'd have been able to. I would have been able to take Laura out for a nice meal. In the end, uh, she had to take me out for a nice it's, meal because uh, I didn't it, get the money it is for what it. it. Is. <laughs> and so we quickly go on to the travel on Marguerite training plan. Joe, what is it? So the triathlon mockery training plan is we've got an advanced one for 16 weeks and we've got a novice one for 16 weeks as well. And the aim of these is to keep you motivated, get some good sessions, working on like improving your threshold. So if you're training for sprint, Olympic, all the way up to like Ironman distance, these would be a really good off-season 16-week plan to get you in good shape 
to get your threshold across the free sports higher, um, it's not too and too much training that you you would look at it and think is unachievable. I think on the advanced one, we've got seven seven sessions over the course of the week, um, and basically it's a really good foundation for all distances. And then the idea would be that you complete the sixteen weeks, and then you would look on to do a more specific plan. So if you were going to do like a sprint distance one, you'd do focus training on that. If you're going to do an Ironman, then you'd do a more focused Ironman block after this. And that would get you into the race, I think, in really good shape. I think the plan is awesome, to be honest. Looking at the sessions that we've got in there and the way we've structured out, it is a generic plan, but I don't think there'd be a better generic plan and on why the market. Is that? Why do you think this plan is better than the other plans are, are there? Because we made it, and I've seen the other plans, and a lot of the other plans are way too easy when you do the advanced plan. People look at it and they're like, the sessions are crap. They don't bother doing the sessions because they don't actually get you any fitter. Whereas these sessions are like using sessions that we actually do ourselves and the way we structure our training. And I think that people, if they follow the plan, will improve. And I think, to be honest, that they're better than a lot of people's training that have actual one-to-one -one coaching, to be honest. You know, I don't want to blow my own trumpet, but I think we've done a really good job on it. And the price What's the is price, a good price. Joe, compared to all the other training plans? I don't really know how much other people are charging for generic plans. But we're charging 50 quid for the whole thing, 16 weeks. You get the novice and you get the advanced, so you can like mix and match if you want. Um, so, uh, yeah, how how um, how do you get the training plan? Stay in touch with our social media and um, um, share the link where you can buy the training plan. And um, that's how you get it. And you can start training uh, as of Monday following when you get the training plan. The, good, the cool thing is... Um, you can print the training plan out, put it on your door. And this is what I did with my first ever triathlon when I did it. I had a training plan, printed it, put it on my door. And every time I did a session, I ticked it off. And I've put in there the times that I did, for example, for the intervals and the heart rate that I had with it. I know it's old school, but it works like a journal. And you always see these motivational speakers on, on Instagram and all that. Like keeping a journal structure is good for your hand. Of course, you've got training peaks. But this is a simple version. It's like back to the basics. And it's it just and it just back feels old so school. nice to tick off a box like that. So if you're starting with uh, starting out with triathlon or looking something to cover for the next 16 weeks before getting into it really serious and you don't want a personal coach, then this is the shite for you. Joe, um, <laughs> is there anything else we want to cover in this episode before we head off to the main subject of the week? I think that's it, mate. I think we've covered it all. Let's go over to the main subject of the week, where we have got Alex Dowsett, a special guest. Alex Dowsett, you might know him from uh, cycling. He's done a fair bit of cycling, a bit of time trialing, six times national championships, Great Britain time trial. Uh, he was lucky, won two stages in the Giro, um, <laughs> has been on Team Sky, Movie Star, Katusha Alpashin, uh, Israel, and uh, right now, oh, he's a professional dad as well, so maybe uh, he's got some tips and tricks uh, for Joe, we'll get into that <laughs> later on. Um, but now, first we're going to dive in a little bit into his um, pro cycling career, and he has been retired, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, last October, November. Alex, how you doing? Good. Good. I've got a few things to say about that introduction, um, but I'm good. 
<laughs> yeah, it's a triathlon mockery style. We don't really prepare anything, you know. We just we always wing it. We get the mics up. You saw how, how flawless that went. Uh, Joe even did the technical bit this time. <laughs> I was there, quite, uh, communication wise. Yeah, that's when you know things are going downhill, isn't it? When I'm in charge of the technical bits. <laughs> <laughs> but how's life as a as a retired? professional now you're loving it it's good Isn't yeah it? i mean i'm mean, gonna gonna correct your intro there and say i've been retired for a grand total of 24 days so far because there's there's a because of contracts contract ends on the 31st of december so um it's this weird existence for from my last race in the middle of october to the end of december where no one in the team gave gave a crap about me didn't hear from anyone except for like to asking for bikes back but i was still a paid professional bike rider um but now i'm not and it's yeah it's been great it's good i'm enjoying it in if they'd have contacted you alex at the start of december and they'd have said alex we've had one person pull out on the team through illness he's really sick we really want you for one more year like will you will you stay with us for one more year and do another year of uh, pro pro cycling would you Um, would you have been tempted to do that I think at that point I'd lined, I'd committed to too much um, for for further for 2023 and beyond. Um, and and honestly, what was what was next was looking too exciting as well. So um, it probably would have been a no. So well, I know it would have been a no because then there's there's a money conversation that happens after a no, and um, and then we yeah. would have seen, but. Um, honestly, I was, I was good. Uh, I was good to stop. I think, you know, I, uh, this year kind of realized that, um, I think everything, everything I'd achieved, I didn't think I could better that. Um, you don't think you could have got another stage of the Giro? Sneaked into another break like last time? <laughs> no, I mean, I did the Giro last year and it was... I, it was biblical. It's like I think the levels, like the levels creeping up, um, and I, yeah, I spent the last five years like trying to get back on I, in my career. Like I was ahead in the early stages in terms of like aerodynamics and and just the technical aspect that was putting me ahead. I think physiologically, there's some there's some sort of monsters in there who are naturally ahead, and you you, know, you, you have to play to your strengths. And mine was like aero and um, just trying to be a bit smarter. And and eventually those, those, those physical specimens have crept ahead again. And I, I just, I was like, you know what? I, I've had a good run. I've got some solid sort of wins on the board. And I don't think, oh, I know what's, what it's going to cost to try and sort of remain competitive. And I, I think I, yeah, I just got to a point where the balance wasn't, wasn't right anymore. Once, um, once you've tasted a bit of the influencer lifestyle, you know, <laughs> didn't you? Well, you know, I also tasted a bit of the triathlon lifestyle. Yeah, I, I did a you third did. of an. How Iron did you Man like that year. then? Well, I did a third of an Ironman last year and only took three and a bit hours, so I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, he liked not having to wear socks and stuff on the bike, Tom. That was it. Was just easier to get ready. You don't have to spend so much time messing around. Exactly, and he really loved the bottle cages behind his saddle. Mm. Not just the lack of rules, really. Alex. You know, you say about like the monsters and stuff, like uh, in the in cycling stuff. Like, 
when, when you like from obviously me and Tom and from others that are listening to this, you just see it on TV and you've got no idea of the kind of like powers and stuff. Like, like what, what kind of like power do you reckon they do? Is it just really high threshold or is it like their three minute power or something is like mega or like what's kind of like an example of like someone who you'd class as like a, a monster, like some numbers that they're like putting out, you know, so, uh, from what you've heard or seen? Yeah, I think within cycling, um, I, guess, I guess similarly to triathlon, you've got like you've got people who are phenomenal at the Ironman side and then people who are great at the shorter distance side. And then you, you've got a few um, guys who can do it all. Um, it's similar in cycling, I, I guess, except we have more. Um, oh, I'm trying to compare it, but you'd have more, um, like maybe you've got guys that are absolute monsters in the pool, uh, but not so, like, you know, everyone's got a weak point in, in trial. Yeah, and I think similarly to cycling, and then you got a few people who are just real like, like oh, just go away, who can do every like, every distance, like sprint every and distance. climb kind of thing. Yeah, and so um, I mean, Sagan was the early the early example. I, I came in. I was lucky that the one discipline that Sagan did not like was the time trial. Otherwise, he could beat the climbers at climbing. He could beat the sprinters at sprinting. And it could win classics as well. I mean, Sagan, I heard, was um, a thousand a thousand watts for a minute um, comfortably. But that now there's a few guys that can. There's quite a few guys that can clock that, um, which is is pretty mind blowing. And then from the sort of thresholdy side of things, I know I know Ghana gets sick of talking about power, but he is he is a level up. You know, like Ghana and. Probably Remco are two of the quickest time trialists at the moment. Um, Remco's got a CDA that's, well, you know, I think he's he's got around 400 watts at his disposal for a kind of 45-minute hour-long TT, but he's tiny. So that CDA power relationship is through the roof. Ganna, I know Ganna and my CDAs are quite similar. My time trial powers start with a four, his start with a five. Like that's the what for a longer time trial you do like 500 watts um or close to like very high but yeah tom you find someone that might even challenge you on a time trial there <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's pretty good isn't he he's, he's, he's quite good. he knows, knows how to ride a bike he does know how to ride a bike is it, do you we were um we were talking about back to uh on the podcast to uh to thomas decker have you listened to that episode I haven't, but I saw all the chat around it. I'm sorry. I mean, I get to talk to both of you in real life, so I, I uh, you know, I, I get right. So, um, my apologies. Cycling back, cycling back. Do you, you you probably know his story, right? Yes, yeah, I'm aware. Yeah. So cycling back then was a bit different, mm. um, but do you think um, much of it it has changed over the last couple of years? Well, from a from a drugs perspective. Um, yeah, also yeah. also in perspective of um, if, if if I heard the stories. So, for example, literally the podcast started with uh, uh, Thomas, <laughs> uh, his first day on a training uh, on a training camp with Rabobank in the pro team, pro tour team. He was sleeping. He was sharing a room with someone. Came into the room, and the guy the was, team sky uh, DS. He would probably know him because uh, you're at team sky for a bit. Um, uh, so the guy was the laying Dutch on the bed, bed naked, and he was. Uh, accompanying himself with his right hand and a towel and Thomas came in and he thought like oh what's this and the guy said do you join in and then he thought it was like a test 
He said, if, I, if this is a test and this, I'm not about to fail it, so they were on their bunk beds watching like some porn or something on the TV. <laughs> and that was when he was like 18 or 19. That was like his initiation. He was like, whoa, this is a bit different than the junior ranks. <laughs> yeah, my, my, initi- my initiation didn't look like that. It was, uh, uh, my initiation at Team Sky was to drink a couple of shots of glass of wine and a pint in quick succession. Um, and... <laughs> Uh, and then out on a training ride, one of the older riders sort of put me to the sword and all I had to do was keep up. Who was who was the older rider then that tried to put you to the uh, sword? Kurt Al Averson. Um So was he just trying to like half wheel you yeah, all day around little, like Mallorca or yeah, something? Yeah, just a little bit, test. Sounds a bit like a training... Sounds a bit like a training camp with Joe. He's always yeah. committed to the sword. Yeah. I, I would easily fit, I would easily pass those yeah. initiations in, in the pro team. <laughs> How long was the ride that you did with him around Mallorca then where he was doing um, that? And was he taking just, you up uh, climbs and stuff? Uh, to be honest, it was just a 20 minute, 10 or 10, 15 or 20 minute section where he was sort of just squeezed it, squeezed it, squeezed it. Like, you know, sort of getting onto the threshold. And I think I was... I was smart enough to know not to try and take him to the sword, but just to not like show. Just keep going with it and just yeah, think stay, he'll probably stop. Hopefully he'll stop soon. Stay vigilant. Like, what if like, you would, wheel off and, and not let it. What would have happened if you would have said anything during the initiation? Like, oh no, coach said easy ride. It's winter time. So uh, let's take it easy. 200 watts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's changing like back when back when i was a neo pro certainly there was a there was a hierarchy if you're in the neo pro you kept your mouth shut and i know there's there's been neo pro mouthy neo pros that have come in and spilled that or started telling older riders how uh what they're doing wrong and it's interesting how they don't last very long the sort of pro cycling if, if you're very good if you win races you can um yeah, you can you can be a cocky little shit, but yeah, if you can't do the bit on the bike, but you you're just all right, then you have to yeah, you have to you have to play the game a bit, don't you? It's like it's all a business. Mm-hmm. You have to if you're liked, it's it, it helps you far more than if you're if you're not liked, and especially if you're not like a Pagacha or something. So, yeah, you won't I get the opportunities, like will yeah. you? Oh, exactly. So. It's like that with everything in life, isn't it? I mean, if you just uh, come around and you act like a little dick, then uh, no one's going to appreciate. You've got nothing to back it up. So uh, what's the craziest uh, thing you've seen in the Peloton then? If you if you think back about your professional career and you think like, oh, that is that was a crazy day. That was a, um, some weird stuff I've seen or just something that stick with your mind. A mistake you've made in a race, I don't know. Maybe you you know Tom Dumoulin watch, once on live TV had diarrhea and yeah. anything like that happened to you in a race? Um, God, yeah. I mean, there's plenty of plenty of bathroom breaks, I guess. Um, not I, I went through a period of funny tummy in races in my under twenty three career, and that was that was not nice. Um, I, I just like grand tours how. Grand tours in general, how nailed like the Tour de France is like you think you've done all the hardest races there are, and then you go to the Tour de France, and it's just somehow it's just a level up. Like everyone's like, you have to. Why do you think it's a level up? Because obviously, it's the same riders that you might have raced against earlier on the year or previous years. Does everyone just take it a bit? Are the teams like 
better with the nutrition leading into the races? Do people train a bit harder as like everyone just doing a little bit more like that extra like few percent? Yeah, I mean, or, I think it's like, what? it's Kona. It's the focal point of the year. It's, um, or it's not Kona, is it now? Because men's Kona's moved. moving. Hmm. Um, it's, yeah, it's the focal point of the year. The team, every, you know, everyone that's there, you, you'd race against in other races, but the difference is everyone is there all at the same time. Um, and it just, the, the directors in your ears are all like, um, oh, Joe's laptop's uh, flagged up a low battery. Yeah, I've literally got to quickly plug this in, sorry. Um, the directors in your ears are like up in the ante, like the stress, and then the riders are all like, it, it, it's not, like, everyone's like, oh, the Giro's harder parkours, but the tour, it's the way it's raced, is is just mm-hmm. harder. Like, it just, if you stop for a, Sorry about that. Yeah, if you stop for a piss, you have to piss. I just found like I had to piss faster. Like you just have to do. You're mentally fatigued at the end of every day, as well as physically. And yeah, it just friendliness just goes out the window when when it's on. And yeah, and, and every it's like everyone has bought their A game. Every single rider and every single team has bought their A team as well. They do like. Before the tour, they do a a meeting for all the riders to talk about the race. The one thing I thought it was similar to was like when you go go karting, you sit in the room, and you learn about the flags and the, what to do if someone spins and stuff. It's a little like that. And I remember my first tour. I was just looking around the room. I was like, Shit, everyone here is good. No one, no one's got lucky to be here. Everyone is a good bike rider. Like everyone's in the top sort of few percent of the pro peloton and i think that's that's what lifts the whole the whole game up you know um well sorry you know your job in them in the tour was like to be part of the lead out wasn't it and stuff like that how hard is it even to just get towards the front of the uh peloton then in the first few stages you know say like when people are fresh and you know you've got to get to the front are you literally like riding like very hard just to try and get on the towards the front and stay there or is it like you know talking like last 20k's 15k's when it's like starting to like heat up like because it's hard when you're uh, watching it on tv you never get the full you never really un, like see what it's like truly yeah you? it's and that's where i think sprinters get a really um uh sprinters often get a um it's a little unfair on the sprinters when someone's like, oh, you just, you know, you carry to the line and then you just sprint. Like the fatigue that they're sprinting off is is absurd um, because of what they've had to do beforehand. I think, I think the difficult bit is to be there but trying to save energy still. Um, so you're trying to, you don't want to be first, but you don't want to be like 50th. You, you constantly, and then you, you, you're trying to move in the peloton, but make sure the way you move is is a way that your teammate can follow you. If you go through a gap, it's like, can my teammate follow me through the gap? And then the problem is you've got 140-odd bike riders trying to be in the top 20 all at the same time. And obviously, like, the road just isn't isn't big enough. And everyone's taking a few more risks to do it. Um, and then, you know, like with 20K to go, if you hit the front, it probably looks like 500 watts to remain at that speed. And, you know, that's unsustainable for for yourself because your job starts at 1,800 metres before the finish line. So you need to do as little as possible before 1,800 metres to go, but you need to be there. And so, yeah, I mean, I think you could, 
arrive arrive with 2k to go having done the last 20k uh, uh kind of 370 380 watt average but that that will be very like on and off you'll be doing like yeah couple, like 30 seconds at 600 and then you'll be breaking and doing zero watts and, and then back and forward so it's it's hectic it's really hectic yeah if, no i can imagine alex if you look at um for example the for, uh, in in 20, 2010 at uh, live strong uh, track so um when you started off in that team if you compare it to like your last year what do you think over the years changed the most within the teams, uh, like nutrition-wise or science-wise? Because if we look into triathlon, <laughs> there is this hype about lactate testing right now, like a shitload of testing of everything. Do you think over the last years um, it changed a lot in cycling? And yes, what what so? Um, so I think it's yeah, it's interesting. So it's like there's I'd imagine that's come from has that come from Olaf, Christian, and Gustav's. Like, I know yeah. he tests everything. A lot of it has with the lactate testing, hasn't it? Like, people have seen them do it and have good success. So, everyone's trying to jump on the bandwagon. Yeah. And now everyone's like copying them. Yeah. And I think that happened with cycling with marginal gains. You know, Team Sky started um, that whole marginal gains thing. And yeah, they're 100% right to do so. And it's all um, trickled down. I think cycling was just had, had come out of an era of, um, you know, the area that Thomas Decker was in. Um, it had come out of that era, and now it's transitioning into an era of um, like everyone's still trying to, like in sport, everyone's trying to get better. Everyone's trying to achieve gains, but the gains look different now. They're like, okay, how do we try and... Um, how do we try and make the bike faster? How do we try and make the equipment faster? How do we try and make physiologic physiology better um so i think initially everyone and it was started off with simple things like team sky would just be like well a grand tour everyone's sleeping on a different pillow and a different mattress every night so we're going to get pillows and mattresses in so everyone's getting better night's sleep and then it's you know now everyone's running tubeless and low tire pressures like back then you you'd run 160 psi in your tires and Knowing what we know now, it's like more like eighty psi and um, and aerodynamics. Like just the ease of testing now. You can test outdoors. Uh, wind tunnels are not cheap, but they're cheaper and they're more efficient as well. We can rattle through wind tunnel tests far quicker. Um, it's uh, I think that's where all all the gains have been is just making man and machine. Uh, better and yeah it's, and, it, and then it's competition and it? it's like one one team does it another team starts doing it and then the floodgates open and every team realizes like two, 2013 I was at Movistar and yeah Movistar is a team with a huge history sort of 40 45 year old team um, and they sat there I didn't understand a word of Spanish but I understood what they were saying is we need to change we need to start adopting tactics more or strategies more like team sky and i kept hearing team sky and wiggins and Froome kept being talked <laughs> about um in and amongst a load of spanish that i didn't understand at the time i 
I heard Movistar are uh, are pretty strict on their weight and stuff. Like sometimes after a good off season, I can can't I can get back into training weighing in like 82, 83. And I'm like a light heavyweight. Yeah. Like how would that have gone down in the Movistar camp? Like they probably wouldn't have took too kindly to that, would they? Um, like uh, they were, they were, uh, me and Tom love our food, don't we? <laughs> we went on a track. We went before Ironman New Zealand. He was eating all my food. I must have thought like so, so, self-consciously, bloody hell, like, I'm going to be starving if I don't get stuck into this. We ended up lining up for the race. I was a member in Ironman New Zealand. I nearly had a fit. We weighed in because they wanted to check you in case you needed a medical problem. I was weighing in 82, 83 kilos, weren't I, Tom? I remember thinking, fucking hell, these scales must be overeating. He got on it and he was 74 and he was like light, or were you like 72, weren't you? Sitting like that. I was thinking, I, lost I said to him, I said to him, these scales must be overeating. And then he went to get on it. I said, how much do you reckon you are? And he was like, oh, probably about 75, 76. And it was like 72. And I was like, oh, fuck, I'm like 10 kilos heavier. <laughs> I'm going to get the movie star team, they probably thought you were the cook or something. Yeah. <laughs> 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 the riders this way what are you doing go on <laughs> mechanics over there but what can they do if you're like a bit overweight i mean i get it in like modeling that they would say oh this physique which i still think is a bit weird this physique is not going to fit the picture but what are they going to do in, in like professional Apparently they don't put you into some races they weren't like uh i had from ride they sometimes teams won't put you into some races and stuff if you're too big it's a part of it they? is a part of the overall like you know the overall package in it like you want to be fit you want to be strong and be healthy but you want to be lean um yeah so you know if you if you're not fit they won't put into races i, I think leanness is it's a it's a bit of a it is a difficult one because there's um you know unfortunately like the, the whole sort of narrative around being fat and all that is is very it's not great within cycling because you've got and, I, and it still goes on I, I know a rider who on their, it was their birthday on camp and it was the fat testing day. And the guy was like, just nonchalantly like, oh, well, no birthday cake for you. And it's like, mate, it's no fair. <laughs> it's no fair. No one like, gives one. Tom, Tom would be like a hamster. He'd be like foraging <laughs> it in, his, in the side of his cheeks and stuff. walking. <laughs> um, so I, I, think, I think where the teams get it wrong is when there's, like they tell you you're too big, but don't help you get to they don't help you lose it in an effective way and that's something i really struggled with my whole career i could get down to race weight but it would be at the at the compensation of losing power like i struggled so, to do mm-hmm. both and uh, yeah teams would just be like well just eat less i'm like i you know i haven't got to this point without being a committed athlete like if you told me the, the way to do this was to eat nothing for a week i would do that that's what i would do like I have that level of willpower, but I can't get the, I, I'm getting something wrong or I can't get the balance right between keeping like my power on tap and like getting down to a weight, a race weight that I know I can be at. And they just wouldn't help. So I ended up having to sort of get my own help, like a nutritionist and, and then he got me there and then you turn up to a race and they're like, Oh yeah, no, you're, you're in good shape. Well done. But it's just not that. It's not that assistance. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, in in your days, you know, when you were like uh, in my days, I've only only been retired for twenty (laughs) four days. You know, like when you would, (laughs) you know, when you would like go for your like races, and they said to you, like Alex, today, bloody dogs, Um, Alex, today the race, like you're gonna have an opportunity, you know, to crack on and go for it, Mm. like. 
how, was that often like they give you like an opportunity like that or was it like quite rare like and did you know what was the kind of like chances that you got uh, it was rare i think it was only on days that um i mean luckily for me being a time trialist every time trial day was my day um so i i got all my opportunities um you know i i know other riders their big frustrations would be they would always have a job to do they'd never have an opportunity for themselves um whereas i i always had that in the time trial um so i think th- those days would arise when like i'm not going to win a bunch sprint um I, honestly i don't even want to try because it's a frightening place that last kilometer um but I, you know, I can I can do all right from a breakaway, and but the good thing is there'll always be a few of us that can do all right from a breakaway. Even even the sprinters, you stick a sprinter in a breakaway, the guy's not unfit. And if the beauty of having a sprinter there is, everywhere he he knows he can beat everyone um, at the finish. So yeah, like the, the day in the Giro in twenty twenty, it was like we woke up. It's like today is a day where the breakaway should win. So everyone get stuck in and try and be there. Because um, also if you've got one guy trying to get in the breakaway, there's quite a, you know, it's a numbers game. It's not, it's not a big chance because he can't cover every single attack and it's difficult to tell which is the attack uh, that's going to go. Um, so if you have eight guys all trying to get in the breakaway, then your chances have increased by you know, a factor of eight. In, in get or even more because you you should help him share the workload. Um, as it was that day, I was in Tom's words lucky that the breakaway <laughs> that I followed happened to be the one that went as did uh, as it was with Matthias Brandley. Although someone was it a hard day on the bike that day? Like was that when you were riding in the breakaway? Was that were you like on the limit or was it like quite controlled? No, was, like did they just let you go? And- well, I, I mean, once the. Yeah, so how many of us? It was six or seven riders in the break. Um, once the gap went out to, yeah, well, like well over 10 minutes. So what happens is the peloton will hold the break. They'll let it get far enough that someone wouldn't be able to jump across by themselves. Um, and when I say the peloton, so normally whichever team is leading the general classification at the time, because they'll be the ones that do the, the legwork that day, they will... Um, sort of command the front of the peloton, um, they'll be quite intimidating, uh, whether it be shouting or sort of looking over their shoulders, trying to, like, make sure that people can't... What would them. they shout? Like, what kind of stuff would they shout oh, at? Oh, just like, oh, yeah, where do you think you're going? If someone attacks by themselves, you think you're going to get across that kind of thing, you know, like... Oh, what, like stirring it up, like a bit of like, uh, like winding the people up and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or if, your legs. Yeah, or, or if someone's <laughs> attacking, they'll just go, like another one, it'll just, like someone, it, 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 it's unfair to, I can't remember who was leading GC at that time. Um, I think it was, no, I don't know, maybe, in, probably Ineos. Or if I said Ineos Jumbo or Quickstep, there's a good chance I've got yeah. the right team. Um, so if someone from a smaller team would attack, but someone from the leader team would just go up and just ride next to them, like look at them whilst they're still trying to attack. And it's like, where do you think you're going? And it's not very nice. It's not very nice. And it's, but it's like, it's like, that's, that's the breakaway of the day. The peloton has said so. And all the majority of the peloton has said so. So they let it go to like 
one or two, like two minutes, a big enough gap that someone can't get across by themselves, but small enough that if there's someone dangerous in the peloton, they can bring it back and, um, or they can keep control of it all day. If they find that um, there's no one uh, that's a threat on general classification there. So for us, we were all more than like 20 or 30 minutes behind on GC. They're like, right, we can let that pellet, we can let that breakaway win. And we effectively have not a rest day, but a very easy day in the peloton. And and if someone, and for the GC team, they're like, we don't have to, we don't have to win. If someone else wants to win this stage, they can come and do the work. Um, so, from the peloton stand, from the breakaway standpoint, they then let us go, and the gap shoots up to like to, I think fifteen minutes or something. So we're like I don't know six, sort of almost twelve kilometers ahead of the peloton. Um, this is where the luck comes in. This is where the luck comes in. Yeah, and then we settle down because then we're not suddenly you're not racing one hundred and fifty guys; you're racing six. And, you know, and luckily I had a teammate with me as well. So we're, we're racing, two of us are racing six people. There's a one in three chance we're going to win. So, yeah, it's, that's, it was lucky. Um, no, it's not, it's not. We, yeah. And then, so, but then everything settles down because everyone's then like, this is where the race is now. You're effectively, this is our peloton because what's happening behind doesn't affect us anymore. Um, and you start like me and my teammate were like how we said uh, as we were getting towards the end, because there was a 10K, 5% climb that we had to negotiate. And honestly, me and my teammate were probably the two worst climbers in that break. Why did they not attack you on that climb? Because I, I watched it and you kind of just rode up it, didn't you? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, well, Brandley and I set the pace on the climb. We're like, oh, we'll do the work on the climb. Like, we'll do that. <laughs> so we could ride at the pace we wanted to ride at, not the pace that they were going to set. Because like, if Puccio or Matt Holmes were to set the pace or Jerry Roscoff, we'd have, we'd have been in a bit of trouble. It would have been a bit harder. So did you ride like te- like a solid pace where they were happy like, enough, tempo, but not yes. too hard that you 300, would 300, 300, so between 300 and 350, maybe. Um, Even you could have gone with them all the climb yeah. Depends if I was off season weight, mate. If I was eighty three kilos, yeah. I might have had to been a bit, might have had to been four fifty. Or, or if he had his one, if he had his one by set up as well. Um, yeah. yeah. So and then we just like get to the finish, and it's yeah. If they'd wanted to cause us problems there, they possibly could have done. But also, I think had they dropped us on the long climb, Branley and I would have worked together and we would have come back because we were also the two. But the finish circuit was tough, wasn't it? Yeah. And didn't one of you get dropped on the actual finish circuit, climb back up and then... Both like, of us got go, dropped. And then, Both of us got dropped. And then work back up. And then did you carry your speed when you attacked, um, like when you got back up to them, went straight away or something like that? So, or one of you got clawed back so, up? So, yeah. So, so Branley and I had spoken as a precursor to that. Branley and I, we both said, like, it doesn't matter which one of us wins today as long as it is one of us. And I said, he said, how do you want to win it? I said, look, I need to not be with anyone else at the finish line. I need to be by myself. Um, I said, what about you? He's like... Because it looks better in the pictures, doesn't it? It looks a lot better in the pictures, doesn't it? You know, you don't want any tag-alongs in your finished picture, do you? I said, I said, I said to Bradley, um, what about you? He said, I can, I can have all of these guys in a sprint, no problem. So I'm happy for it to go to a sprint. I said, okay, well... That's the plan. I'm going to try and get away. And if I don't, I'm going to make sure 
that you've got uh, that no one gets clear and you can sprint. Um, so uh, tried to soften them up on the first climb. It didn't go anywhere. Um, and then on, yeah, and then we hit the finishing circuit, which had a fairly significant climb. In. And up until that point, I had this, I'm not big for like manifesting or, um, yeah, I don't think it's like sort of bullshit, but I, um, I think, yeah, manifesting without work is delusion. Um, you, you can't, I don't believe you can just believe something and want, like, and it happens. But that day I was looking at everyone else in the breakaway and I was like, there is no good reason why I shouldn't win today. I, I think I'm going to win today. And probably the first time I'd ever had that, which is lucky that I had that feeling on that day. Um, and uh, so, but also it's from a technical aspect. I had an open skin suit on. Um, I had no pins, aero socks on, and the aero shoes. I had the aero helmet on. Nobody else had the same amount of like aero kit that I had on. Uh, nobody else wrote, was riding as low as Brandley and I was. Um, like the the chap from Ineos Puccio, had jersey shorts, ventilated helmet, regular socks, like and shoes. He was sat on the hoods the whole day, like bolt upright. I was like the energy he's wasting in comparison to me is is sort of. How much do you reckon, like, how many watts then do you reckon at that point when you looked at him, like, what did you think? Like, did you think I'm saving 30 watts on him? Yeah. Like, if you were to ride at the same speed? Yeah, 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 comfortably, comfortably. Um, so did that give you confidence that you thought, if I get a gap and I ride at, like, threshold, yeah. they're going to have to ride so flipping hard to close it that I don't think they Joe can? Joe always likes to think in numbers. Yeah, yeah, no. I, yeah, I, I do, 30, I do. 40. I, Just to yeah. scream some I numbers. Love, <laughs> I love the numbers. Yeah. I love the numbers. Oh, no, no, yeah, this is, you're possi yeah, possibly right. Um it would have been just higher all day. Um, Apart from the high uh, watts, would you say this is your sweetest win in the career, or is there like? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. So what happened then? Going back to it, you were like looking around and you saw <laughs> that, and then how far away was this? Would this have been from the finish line? Was it, like when you were thinking, it, we went up a climb. It was two laps of a circuit with a fairly significant, probably a two or three minute climb that was uh, like um, pitches of more than ten percent. Is seven or eight percent average, so not. Did Matt Holmes break away before that, and then he got clawed back, and then one of you went or something? No, nah, so no. Brandley and I both got dropped first time up the climb. We just couldn't hack the pace of the other three boys. And I, what was the pace up the climb then? Like, what kind of power were they going for? Like, uh, well, for me, starting with a... from three hundred seventy-five watts, Joe. <laughs> nah, <laughs> nah, mate, it must have been, been like five hundred. Cadence was eighty-two. Was, cadence was eighty-two. Was that, and heart rate was one fifty-six. It was, it was upwards of five hundred for me to stay with them. Um, what, like five twenty, five thirty for like two or three yeah, minutes? Maybe like five sixteen or, or five seventeen. I'm not sure. But that's towards the end of a grand <laughs> tour. At the end of like a four-hour day, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. What yeah. inner tubes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but it's nice I, to know the numbers, isn't Joe, it? When think, you're not into it, Joe. Like, I just think you not... need you need to need to watch the uh, the stage back and, uh, and see who went back and forth. <laughs> yeah, but I can't That's... see the numbers, can I? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm picturing myself, Tom. I'm picturing afterwards, myself in there. Afterwards, Alex will send you the t the file from training training peaks. You can really like yeah, send it to me so I can upload it onto my Garmin and I can pretend I'm riding in there. I can like ride around and like simulate the last thirty minutes. Can't and just like uh, rewatch it. <laughs> Alex was actually so wrong. He was dropped like... at four hundred and four hundred and three watts. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, as Tom said, he was very lucky. Um, 
uh, luckily, Branley and I were dropped together. We're like, right, we're getting back. And then we caught them. Um, and then uh, we went to the front. The, the sort of the pinnacle moment was Branley. Branley was first. I was second through a 90 degree right. And I just let Branley go. Sort of, I caused Branley's first attack. And um, everyone behind panicked, jumped round onto him, and then I went over the top of that. And then, at which point, they all looked at each other. Was and it's that like I think if you hit someone with enough speed, enough speed difference that they all have to look at each other and go, "That looks too difficult to chase back." I'm going to let you do it. And if, and if everyone's doing that, then no one's doing it. And also, if you don't attack out the saddle, sometimes I feel like attacking out the saddle can incite panic in people like, Oh, that's a proper attack. But I would attack in the saddle. It's like, Oh, it doesn't look like he's attacking. And you want to get that, just that moment of hesitation from the people that are going to chase you down. And then it becomes too big of a job. And suddenly, so the gaps get bigger and bigger and bigger, but we've got this other climb to do. And once the gap got up to, I think 52 seconds, I was, just, I was there when the gap kept going up. And then my director's in my ear, like, gaps at 45 seconds. I was like, what do they think? What are they doing? Do they not know I can, like, riding by myself is, like, my thing. And, but it was, like, a few things going on. None of, they didn't want to, they're thinking about the finish by this point. So none of them wanted to work too hard in case they were going to gas themselves from, for the finish because then they wouldn't win anyway. And also, Branley's getting in the way. They're just like, Brando's going to pretend to do a turn and then just slow it down. And that's another five seconds. Um, so, yeah, and then got over the climb and bolt for the finish line. And I think when I got to two and a half K to go, I knew mathematically like, there was no chance they could they could catch me. So, and it was pretty... And that's how you nice. win a Giro stage, Joe. Yeah, and that but, got, didn't that get you like a contract for the next like two years as well? Like it was a massive thing, wasn't it, at the time? Yeah, yeah. I mean, prior to that, Giro, I'd been told that um, the team was not, well, I'd been told officially that the team wasn't re signing me, but with a phone call to say that they still might re sign me. Um, you yeah, know, they were very much leaving me out to dry at the time, which um, I didn't appreciate. And I think f from a, what I did afterwards is I met, I was very, in all of the interviews and everything afterwards, I was very grateful to the team that was here at Giro. Um, I would never mention the, the, the team. I, I never mentioned Israel Startup Nation, I think it was called then. Because um, I didn't have anything to thank them for at the time. I, I had Branley to thank, I had the directors there to thank, but I didn't have the team to thank because they, you know, honestly, I, Felt like I've been treated pretty poorly, um, and yeah, for them it was their first World Tour win. It was their first Grand Tour stage win. Um, yeah, it was a massive deal for them. And I think the biggest story to come out of it was that they hadn't given me a contract. Um, didn't reflect too well on them. Um, yeah. And then they got on the call then after that then, did they like pretty much and just say, you want to sign you I again? It took a few days. It did take a few days. It was, it, it was pretty unpleasant, if I'm honest. Like after, on the weekend, I had a load of, um, I had a load of interviews, uh, ones in Israel and, and sort of Europe-based ones. And I got a phone call from the press guy at the team and he was like, oh, I don't think you should talk about 
your delicate situation. I was like, what, what delicate situation is that? And he said, yeah, you know, one where you don't have a contract. I said, it makes you look desperate. I was like, well, I am desperate. I've got a kid on the way. I've got a family at home. Like, I don't have a job next year. I said, I am desperate. And as of now, no one's spoken to me about a job for next year. So I am desperate. And I don't think it makes me look desperate. I think it's making the team look worse than it's making me. Yeah, it makes the team yeah. look bad and they didn't want you to say it. And they were trying to like make you feel like trying to put it on you to not you know, make you sound like you'd feel bad. You'd look bad yeah. um, because it would make them look bad. But um, yeah. so it must have been pretty stressful then at that time. Like you say, you had a child on the way as well. Uh, you've been pro for a lot of years. Yeah. So was it a lot of relief when they were you, were you thinking like, what am I going to do if, if this doesn't yeah. work out like next year? Yeah, yeah. Uh, just, then, I mean, we would have been, it would have been okay. Like, we would have been okay. It just, it wasn't, it wasn't the way I wanted to end. It wasn't um, how I wanted to end. But then I think after that stage, re- stay, after that stage when the relief, I was like, if it does end now, then it kind of shows actually there's something more wrong with the sport. Well, not the sport. There's more, there's something more wrong with, like the team and teams than there is me because I how you can win a wet stage of the Giro and not have a contract for the following year off the back of it is is absurd. So I think for it to end in that way would have been would have been okay. Um, but yeah, I wasn't. I, I wanted I wanted a couple more years. There was still the Olympics to go. Um, it was still um, yeah. It was it was still the Olympics. So I think. But we, you know, we'd have been fine. Like Chanel and I, we we just weren't ready for it, and we'd have to plan for it quickly. Whereas this year, we've been planning for it um, like for a lot longer. So. Looking back at your career and everything in cycling, like, is do you have any regrets that you wish you might have done like a certain race or like oh. opportunities that you missed out or anything like? Um, is- Olympics is the kind of one thing that I really. Um, I really wanted like Olympics is the is the is what you watch as a kid. Um, but I didn't I didn't watch Tour de France. Like I didn't want to be um, I didn't want to be, be a pro cyclist when I was a kid. I just wanted to be a sportsman. And the Olympics was the re- like Olympics and Commonwealth Games was the reason for that. So I think I was always um, yeah m- missing that. I think is the only is the only one I, I wish I'd gone like I. Wish I'd had the what, what do you reckon caused you to miss it? Was there like a selection race? Were you like, um, uh, what was? No, so uh, cycling is based on opinion um, rather than like a, a specific set of events. Uh, so it's, it's like there's a meeting of people in in British cycling and very in the, arbitrary. Yeah, in the International Olympic Committee, and they break it down. The problem, I think, the thing that really scuppered me was. Uh, they changed the rules within cycling to say that those who do the time trial have to come from the road race team. So you have to double up. Um, it's something that I vocally disagreed with for a long time. So I said, it's like, it's like us saying to Usain Bolt, if you want to do the um, 100 meters and the 200, you've actually got to do the 1500 and the 5k as well. Um, in a marathon and a marathon yeah it's it's you know you wouldn't want to take him to the sprint finish though would you <laughs> you'd have to keep the pace yeah on it. imagine if triathlon if they said okay if you want to do olympic distance we well, actually you need to be doing the ironman distance as well 
um, and it's two days later. Um, it just that's the kind of sort of. And people, which, I I knew they did this, and people actually literally pull out of the road race early. Yeah. And there's always a lot of talk, isn't there, about oh he wasn't in on it, you know, like he pulled out with 50k's to go because they're just doing it because they want to do the time trial or they want to do one yeah, of the other races. If, don't they? if a rider is that much of a favorite for the time trial they just don't start the road race because it's not perfect yeah. prep so then you're one man down in the road race and as i like i've thought actually within the olympic if you think about the olympics i know it used to be like it used to be amateur sport but now it isn't now it's like it is the pinnacle of sport it's it's the best of the best and actually you what you have is a load of the best sat at home because they don't road race very well or even in the time trial, you've got a load of time trialers there that just should not be there because they're such good road racers. And kind of what you've then got is the pinnacle of it's what should be the pinnacle of cycling, but actually it's a bit diluted. So then it's the same like that in the triathlon, though, because some nations can only select three. And I know for the last year Olympics, for the Americans, they had a really strong team. And like some of the top 10 in the world, same with the Brits, weren't selected for the Olympics and they had. That so actually it was probably harder to win a world championship series race than the Olympics because you could have six or seven from a nation turn up to that whereas in the Olympics only the top three were but if you're one of them nations where you've got five people that can win a race actually the Olympics is easier to win than a world championship yeah. series race obviously it's like harder because there's only one chance in four years but the field is actually weaker than what you'd get in a normal in world, the, champ- case, world series race the Olympics are just lucky yeah. <laughs> just a bit luck on race day <laughs> a lot of politics a lot of politics yeah. about getting Alex, in the right let's, person's um, let's let's get into um the future then so you are a 24 day retired professional now full-time influencer part-time dad or or full-time dad part-time influencer what um how does the day look at do you still set an alarm um how does it work I, have uh, you got any nappy changing tips uh, my, my, yeah <laughs> our, our alarm is two years old um that's uh, that is our alarm. Um, life's great. Life's great. It's you know we've got some fun fun things um, lined up. We're still in Andorra, but we're moving back to the UK um, in sort of uh, yeah March April time. Just doing the ski season, learning how to ski. That's another new thing that I've done. I'm not very good. Oh at it. yeah, um, living the dream, Tom. Eh, like yeah. lifestyle athlete. There, I can, isn't I can it? give You'd you some. Uh, I can give you some lessons, some ski lessons. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm. <laughs> yeah. I'm not very. I, I did my skiing went exactly how uh, Chanel, my other half, planned it or thought it would go. As in, I started well, I got confident, and then I hurt myself. Um, oh, did you? Yeah, I did. Um, but I'm all right now. Um, He's got a CDA, Alex, of 0.25 from the wind tunnel, so he'll swap you some ski lessons if you can get him more error. <laughs> Haven't you, Tom? Like that's, yeah. like, that's what they said, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 0.25, crikey. Um, that's that what you're be, up against. Imagine, should, how much, imagine how easy it would be to find them error gains. It <laughs> should, should be a bit lower than that. Yeah, but not much. It's got a bit eh? lower now. Not much. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so I, you know, the, the days, are, days are great. Um, yeah, the cycling season started a little bit. There's a little like twinge of missing, missing the, I think I, I miss the boys. I miss the chats, the, the dinner table, the team bus. Like, that's probably the bit mm-hmm. I miss the most. And, and yeah, a bit of a, like watching sprint finishes. It's like, that's, that's exciting. 
like being it being involved with that but um i'm still going to be racing uh doing some some other stuff some other racing um time trialing in the uk is a big is a big thing that i used to be heavily involved with so i think i'll be going back into back into that um and yeah i'm gonna go give gravel a whirl maybe some mountain bike racing just have some fun really with it um, like yeah. com hunting strava hunting for comms it's, you know there's nothing to be you don't have to uh be afraid of taking them on they're good motivation aren't they tom so <laughs> we like a little dabble january, don't we? the beginning of january <laughs> i was i was uh speaking up about my inner soul being the lifestyle athlete um but would you qualify yourself now as a lifestyle athlete and um would you prefer that life more than the professional life? Because you could get the donuts in right now. There's no team coach saying you can't do this, you can't do that, Alex. Mm. Yeah, I did. I did. It must be a whole lot of stress yeah. gone. But... <laughs> yeah, it was, um, and that, I think that the freedom is something I really enjoyed. Like that you know, November, you you know, off season, you put on a bit of weight, and you know you're going to turn up to camp, and there's going to be like some eyes like, oh, he's Alex has had a good off season. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that was a yearly thing. Um, so I, I really I like now that there's no one, there's no one sort of looking at me um, and analysing me, which is which is great. And but then I start doing it to myself. It's like uh, years of I'm like, oh, I'm I'm putting on a bit of weight now. I need to I need to get on top of this before it gets well more difficult to get on top of. So I'm. I was on the scales the other day and I was, I'm only like probably two kilos up from where I was racing at, um, mm-hmm. which I was surprised by. And, and that's like the appetites as training has wound off. Cause it's probably the longest period I've ever had without training either. It's been basically three months of doing a bit of running, um, a fair bit of skiing and some swimming and no bike riding. Um, and it's, yeah, it's been, um, it's just been quite refreshing, but I'm ready to, I want to get going again. I just, I want to be like fit and strong and, and mm-hmm. yeah, I, I enjoy going fast on a bike and I still want to do that this year in time trials. And I know there's, there's yeah. Yeah, I need to. I've, I've heard as well that you're uh, entered into the London marathon. Oh yeah. Yeah. We're doing that as well. Like, yeah, that's, that's a, that's a concern. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> what's the it? longest run up at the moment then what are you uh, running 18k I did the, 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 a few days oh, ago right, that's oh, not bad yeah. Um, yeah. at altitude as well no 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 that was down at um, I, was, I was in the oh. UK on the weekend so I was down down at uh, don't so, get too, too, too keen too quick though you don't want to make Cam Worth look bad <laughs> you know he won't be happy if you're only one year out of sight and you're already dropping him on the uh, road I think Cam has said I, I don't stand a chance I, not I, he says absolute, that about everyone. Absolute no hoper, he, which I don't know, it's like red rag to a ball, isn't it? He gives that to everyone. He gave me a load of abuse in Kona yeah. when we were running around. Uh, said I'm, a, I'm, I'm fucking untrustworthy. Fucking, I know I can trust um, you. He said. Was <laughs> he joking or not? No, this was on the course. Like literally, we we're running along. He was absolutely fuming at me. I think he wanted to do more work than what I uh, than what I did, and he 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 wasn't happy. He th- he thinks I'm a pack rat. <laughs> <laughs> pack rats is what you draft in uh, or just sitting in the back of a group you know like 10 meters or 12 meters and like not doing as much work as uh 
what what he's doing. So he he kind of lets his thoughts go. He he's, he's a very fiery person in triathlon. Well, I don't know what he's like on the bike in a road race, but in triathlon, fiery. He's like a fucking dragon, mate. I've never <laughs> seen him like that. Like I've been with him on a couple of beers in in Spain. Uh, once after a race, and uh, been with him at a couple of beers. Here in a race, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We he had too many gels and too many caffeine tablets, and some people just can't control themselves. So, <laughs> too many. <laughs> I've only seen him on the booze, and then he was quite relaxed. Too many e numbers from the gels, mate. It got to him, and he was like, he was like, like a bloody dragon. Like, <laughs> so, Alex, as, as a professional, it's um, uh, you need to have a solid, solid base, right? Support. Thanks for the advice, yeah. At, at home. Yeah. Um, but there is uh, one way how you can t- return it, and that is when the partner goes through pregnancy, right? So you've mm. had that. Um, now we've got uh, our little Jody here. Um, his missus is... Congratulations. He's got a little baby coming up. <laughs> yeah. And I've got um, three questions uh, for you, or like three statements, and maybe you can like uh, um, say what you think of it. So it's called how to help your partner through the first trimester. That's what it's called. Now, the first one is get the vacuum out. Even if you normally split the housework equally, now it's for you time to, to be the one vacuuming under the sofas, cushionings and everything. So what's that? No a question? That is, um, what you, would you say that's a statement that would help? Because I can't see Joe do any any. <laughs> so I, well, I, 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 my... Um, <laughs> First trimester, Chanel, it was like the cravings. Um, and Chanel's was a McDonald's cheeseburger. So I would, just just the cheeseburger. She didn't want fries, sides or anything. Just just a McDonald's cheeseburger. Um, she was vegan at the time as well, except for a McDonald's cheeseburger. Um, I think that was where I could really step up to the game. I would go on the McDonald's <laughs> cheeseburger run. <laughs> Do you think his Joe's life is going to change and he doesn't know what he's letting himself in for? Because a lot of people what? send him messages like, oh, this is the end of your career. What do you think? I've had messages, mate, from people saying, that's the end of your triathlon game. Like, I struggle with getting up in the morning. Like, uh, get, like if I don't have eight or nine hours sleep, I'm totally, like, I'm, I'm screwed. Laura's screwed as well. So we're both bad if we don't have uh, more than eight hours sleep a night. Uh, we we don't normally wake up in the middle of the night. We've never changed a nappy. Like, well, I think she has. She's done one before when she's been in hospital. I tried one the other day, like on this course on a bloody doll, and uh, it took me ages. Like everyone was saying, the baby's going to be going mental on you. So, uh, <laughs> what, what if I what? <laughs> couldn't even get the baby dressed? It was like wrong way around and all sorts. Like, <laughs> uh, uh, a question. I know I'm answering your question with a question, but. In triathlon, is there a lot of like, are people serious when they say like, oh, you're going to, they trying to like shit talk you to like, or is that, is that I don't like, know. jovial? Because if someone in cycling was pregnant, everyone would be like, ah, oh, like, yeah, congratulations. There wouldn't be any sort of mal thinking that they're going to go off the rails uh, or it's going to affect their performance. I, I don't know. Like some people have said congratulations, like probably 70%, 80%, but I'd say a good 20, 30% have said uh, that's the end of your triathlon career. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, oh, but the hell is it that like tyrant? Yeah. Like what? <laughs> like, Make sure you end there like, at some point, somehow, <laughs> with malicious intent. Um, no, it's... Uh, um, no, I mean, the thing is, it, it's, that's, it's where we, like Chanel and I had to look at it and go... At the end of the day, my job is to be a professional athlete and my job is to rest and recover. Um, so that was, 
you know, when it came to sleep, that was my get out jail free card. But it was, you know, it was like legit, like in the same way as if like, I didn't have a job and Chanel was, yeah. You know, if the boot was on the other foot, it'd be exactly the same. I'd be doing the the line, you know, not all the work, but the lion's share of the work with um, keeping a small human alive, and like the your other half would be going to work and i guess that's but you know that's the way that the only, you have to look at it the the only difference is and this is the advantage of like uh, a pro cycling so you go out in the morning for a lot for a ride you come yeah. back and boom you've got the day off yeah. we still need to go to the flipping pole we hate the pole yeah. and then need to go for a run and whatever yeah. <laughs> the good thing annoying. is though tom in about two years time we'll probably have a training partner that can drop us in the water so yeah. uh, <laughs> it won't take long before we have someone's feet to sit on uh, wait who are we talking about his uh, either no. one of us I've, oh you're talking yeah, I'd, yeah. Yeah, like in about two years' time, I think she'll already be quicker than what me and Tom are in the water. So oh, okay. uh, if she's into swimming, Tom, we'll uh, have a training partner, won't we, if we go on a training camp or whatever. <laughs> well, sw- swimming's one we of the, the only... Like, swimming's the sport where the sort of the genders are closest together in performance, isn't it? Uh, yeah, definitely. Like, uh, I think probably because... What do you reckon that is, Tom? Do you reckon it's because the bodies are supported? Uh, women can be smaller as well, like more hydrodynamic... Buoyancy. You mean that they're uh, better in the water, women? Or? Like they can be closer. Like females, top, like females um, in like swimming can be pretty yeah, close I, to males. Probably, can't they? I would say hydrodynamics. Technique, CDA yeah. power, isn't it? CDA power. Can we throw some numbers? Is, is it, is <laughs> swimming's more technique. Is techniques surely far more significant than? Um, yeah. Yeah. Than it yeah. Is techniques like, massive. Yeah. You used to be quite a decent swimmer as well, didn't you? Like two minutes for two hundred freestyle, didn't you? Uh, Something like that. A minute for a hundred. Yeah, I could. I could do that back in the back in the day. Um, Yard pool. Get on a training camp. We could. Uh, they could you imagine that on a training camp. We'd. Uh, we'd have great fun. You know, one of the things that I want to do, Alex, uh, when you're back in the UK, is I'd love to do uh, a ten mile TT. Yeah. Uh, two up time trial with you on say something like the Malden uh, yeah. two, uh, course like you know what come down there and uh, meet you on your backyard and do a two up time trial because I think it would be a right laugh yeah, like, I'd love to do yeah, that that'd be fun yeah absolutely absolutely <laughs> Tom you've messaged him didn't you about having a little crack at one of them longer records I told him about him and he's got all like keen you know them point to point records yeah. he's, uh, he's liking the sound of that partly I think because you can pick the weather in it Tom so you can like have a nice tailwind pushing <laughs> you for like hours on end we can have your dad, right, supporting us. Yeah, yeah. My dad would do it, yeah. Oh, I was my dad would do it as well. There's there you go. Two Look fans, at that. Two you got fans following. All the, the dads, team. all the camera guys out there, like, yeah. wow. Put <laughs> enough of it in front, and we've got, a, we've got a draft as well. So, you know, um, Alex, like, for over this next year, you said you're going to do, you've got the London Marathon, obviously, in April yeah. and stuff, and you're going to do some cycling stuff. Mm-hmm. Is it mainly going to be, like, cycling and running you're going to do do you reckon you might do a triathlon is that still like 50 50 um, is there any other sports I, tr- I think triathlon i'd like to i'd like to do i have to get um yeah like that balance between uh like my problem is i'm competitive and i'm gonna look at it and go like well, i want to like london marathon i'm not um like when you know I, I could i think i could get round one tomorrow um but I'd like to post up quite a fast time if I can. So I'm sort of working. To what would that. that be? Like, what have you got your uh, eyes um, on? Like, you'd like to get everything goes I'd, well. I'd like under three hours is what I'd like to do. Um, 
I don't know if that's the problem is I do most of my stuff at altitude, so I don't know if that's feasible. I ran, or was it four? I, I tried to keep a lid on my effort um, on Friday when I or Saturday or Thursday when I did that eighteen k run, and I could have carried on, and that was at four forty four pace. Um, it was quite icy, so um, yeah, and I, I think I could. I could nudge it up a bit. I just need, I need to do a bit more training. I do kind of one or two runs a week that are like I don't know, no more yeah. than 10k. So I need to I need to do more. But um, yeah, that's that's kind of where my sights are set. Swimming, uh, yeah, swimming again. I do all my swimming at altitude, so I don't know if that's I don't know what effect that has. That's time. horrendous. Absolutely horrific swimming at altitude, isn't it, Tom? Like. Swimming in, general. In swimming in general. Swimming in general. Swimming up here, and generally swimming at like one. Like the watch tells me I'm swimming at 140, 140 per hundred meters. Um, up at fifteen hundred meters elevation. So, yeah, you take off like good three or four seconds, a hundred off that. I remember Tom though saying when we were swimming in the fifty meter pool at um, Pont Romeo that like because he said he you you said you weren't too strong in the water at the start. That swimming in the fifty meter pool just at altitude just didn't take anything extra off. You were like, actually, it's not that bad. Like, you know, I'm already swimming like whatever you were swimming. You're like, I'm, I think swimming I'm not is hard anyway. Lower, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you didn't find it that bad, did you? But I found it horrendous, like breathing for a straw. I bloody, I, yeah, I struggle at altitude. I think it's brutal to be honest. But that's, I, I really, I tried to. So I used to when I was a swimmer, I used to breathe every three, every three strokes. And here I'm like, actually, I probably need to be breathing every two. I can, um, as a lifestyle influencer, I can put you on a training program how you can get up to a 54-minute swimmer with uh, only 6K swimming average a week over a year. You'd be right in the mix there, uh, Alex, if you were that. 54-minute swimmer, yeah. get out on the bike with your TT uh, pedigree and stuff. You could be getting at the front of the Ironman race. Wasn't races. that about as quick as Cam and Lionel Sanders in Kona? No, quicker than that. You'd be at least a minute. You'd be at least a minute up the road. Like, if they're lucky, they might catch you in transition if they have a good T. Yeah. If they have a good T one, but uh, we, definitely... we know you can be uh, lucky. So now and then, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, it, to be honest, yeah. So I, running though is I can't believe how much running kicks the crap out of me physically. Like, I'm broken after for a couple of days after a run. It's, but it's also what makes you tired for cycling, doesn't it? Because when I all, 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 uh, only would do cycling, um, I could do so much more volume and intensity. But if you pick up running, a bit more running, it would take so much out of the end of the bike as well, right? Yeah. In a training week. Do you find that? I, um, well, I haven't been. Cycling. He's not done much cycling. Like, <laughs> 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 no, I, I do uh, the long run. If I feel tired now, I just yeah, don't do I it. I do like. the long <laughs> run and then I do nothing for five days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, if you retire... When you feel knackered from doing one sport, there's no way you're going to force yourself to do another. You're just going to sit on the couch, have a beer and watch Netflix or go for a walk or something. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, when I retire, if I do a long run, I feel shattered. Like, I'm going to be like, I ain't going out on the bike today. Like, I'll see how I feel tomorrow and I might go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's uh, the lifestyle training plan. Mm. Um, anyway, Alex, I would say thanks for the chat. We're already uh, 65 minutes in. Um where yeah, can we'll people see. follow you as well if they want to? Just before we go, like, where's the best place for people to follow you and see your progress? Uh, probably YouTube is the uh, YouTube is the main source of um, our our content, our influencing. Um, so just my name, Alex Dowser, on YouTube. Um, 
Chanel's a good follow. Size club, isn't it? Or size club gets you there as well. Um, yeah, and Chanel's a good follow on Instagram. She's the funnier one of us too. So there we go. Um, yeah, Check right, them there out. you go. Anyway, thanks for uh, thanks for the chat, Alex. Um, we'll uh, we'll see you out on the uh, little TT loop over at Joe's house. You could give him some uh, baby training tips. Can I, is there a Strava? Is there a Strava segment up for grabs there? There's loads of Strava segments up for grabs. I've got a really good one. Uh, I'd like to see what you could do on Ketteringham 10 mile TT. If you can go sub 20 on that, I'll be very, very impressed. That's my, I think that was my, <laughs> I, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know this year, but up until last year, I reckoned I could go sub 20 on almost every 10 mile TT course in the country. That was, that was my like, okay. I reckon I can do that, you know? It's, um, so I'll, I'll give it a crack. Give it a crack. If a, Joe Skipper, it. if a Joe Skipper com is up for grabs, then that is a source of motivation bigger than any. West Runton Hill, mate. Two minutes thirty is the com on that. That's a that's the presti- most prestigious climb in North Norfolk. That <laughs> Beacon Hill. If you can get that, cough, fucking hell. Right. Uh, <laughs> five hundred. The person who's got the com on that five hundred and forty something watts Ooh. with a tower wind because you can see now on Strava, can't you? It tells you where the winds come from, okay. so you can see like he had it with a. I know 25k an hour tower wind, so it's a but I don't know what size he is. He's like, but that's a that's a good one to what's get. The, that what's is. the speed up it? Uh, I think you. it's like 30k's an hour on a I want specifics, I want, climb. I want specifics, like how fast, Thir- roughly 30k an hour, isn't it? Like, I'd have to find it, I'd have to find it. I'll send it to you. You can uh, wait your appetite. I'm surprised it's not enough. come up there and we can uh. We can do some com hunting on the North Norfolk coast and uh, meet the girls at the cafe or something for uh, for lunch and stuff. Yeah. Like, what about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep them happy. Yeah, the Keep them at, uh, girls and the babies, mate. Like, yeah. meet them in Holt. Have a walk around the the shops there. Yeah. Oh. yeah. <laughs> Staring the cars yeah. down the road. The, yeah. the lifestyle athlete would be in his element there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Tom's thinking, wait, like I'll be up for that as well. Yeah. Apart from the baby plan, yet for my part. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. Thanks for the chat, Alex. Uh, make sure to follow Alex on uh, YouTube, Instagram, and OnlyFans. Um, yeah, we'll see you around, mate. <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Yeah.